Good morning. Uh, the choir you've just heard was the Ezekiel Project School of Evangelism and Interested Individuals. <laughs> and we appreciate that very much. They uh, are very dutiful singers, and they really did a nice job. I appreciate it very much. A number of years ago, the, there was a book written <clears throat> with a French title. And it was uh, the main. The title of it was the main character, and uh, the title of the book was called named Papillon. And uh, and so you, some people say Papillon, but uh, the French would say Papillon, and it means butterfly. That's what it means. But it's about a man, and they called him Papillon, and he is a criminal. He is a certifiable criminal, and uh, he said to, I think he sent to uh, Australia when it was a penal colony, and it was. Uh, so he is dreaming. He is asleep, and he is dreaming. And he has, this, he has this incredible dream where he's standing before a judge, and the, judge is, the, the judge's uh, desk is high, and he's standing there. I think he's shackled. And the, and the, the um, judge looks at him and points his finger at him. And he says, I, I convict you of the, most, the worst crime imaginable. And Papillon looks at him and he says, what crime is that? And the judge looks down at him and he says, the crime of a wasted life. And Papillon, almost imperceptibly, whispers under his breath to the judge, guilty. Guilty. That's the title of our little discussion is the tragedy of a wasted life. And I'd like us to look at two passages concurrently, that is, simultaneously. And the two passages are, are found in Matthew 6 and in 1 John chapter 2. Matthew 6 and in 1 John chapter 2. So put your fingers, that's why we have 10. And uh, we're going to go back and forth. Okie doke. We're going to go back and forth with these passages. And uh, I'd like us to look at these two passages because it will really, really help us. And uh, I think, notice what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and break where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be healthy, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If, there, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one 
and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I say unto you, be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor what, <clears throat> nor yet what your body for what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not. Neither do they reap, neither nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why are you anxious for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, be not anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Be therefore not anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is its own evil or trouble. Turn with me to 1 John, chapter 2. 1 John, that's near the book of Revelation towards the back. 1 John. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust of it. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. When we look at these two passages, and we're going to look at them concurrently, we're going to look at this, we're going to see... These two passages, Jesus deals with three sins. Three sins that the Christian can possibly have in their own life that can lead to a wasted life. There are potential three sins that a Christian could possibly have in their life that can lead to a wasted life. A wasted life. Let me just say that at the end of life, I've been to a few funerals in my life, and I've seen this, and it's very, very instructive. In fact, the Bible teaches this, that it's better to go into the house of mourning. It is better to go into the house of mourning. Why? Because it is instructive to us on how to live now. And nobody ever cared what that person who's laying in that casket, their education is. No one ever cared about what they even looked like. Or did they use oil of Olay? Or did they do, you know, bean sprouts and vitamin C and all that kind of stuff? What they're looking at is a corpse there, but it's reflective of a life invested. And will it be say, would we say, like Papillon would say in his dream, guilty. 
would we say we've wasted our lives? Understand this, that time time can never be renewed. You can lose a fortune, gain a fortune. Lose a fortune, gain a fortune. But you cannot renew your time. It goes. It just moves ahead. And you can never regain it. It's a, it's, a, it's a commodity that God gives us that everyone has. We have the same amount of time that everybody else has. We do. Everybody has the same amount of time. 24 hours a day. No less, no more. You can't renew that. You can't relive yesterday. You can only invest now and for eternity. What's it going to be? I mean, what's it going to be? Because, mark this one, before you know it, you're 50. (laughs) Or 60. Or 70. And you're looking at 80. Or 90. And you're looking for that great party if you're going to make it to the century mark. How many people you know made it to 100? I met one woman, and I did her funeral because she eventually died at 106. Well, that was fantastic, but she's nonetheless gone. What are we investing? What are we doing? These two passages that we've, I've read, they, you know, Jesus deals with three sins. And what are these sins that, that could really ruin our lives, really hurt our lives in terms of causing us to waste our life? Well, he deals with the sin of the flesh. The sin of the flesh. And we see this in Matthew 6, and, and also we see it in 1 John and I hope you kept your fingers there, and it's kind of tough sometimes to do that, but keep your fingers there and look at this. Uh, you know, we see a negative command. Lay not, up, lay, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Uh, just a question I have for you. What do you think that means? <laughs> I mean, if you were to just say, this means what? What do you think that, that that is really telling us? Is, uh, is, the priority, <clears throat> is the priority that we are looking for a car? Is the priority a cool house with granite countertops? Is the priority, what's, what is it? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. What do you think that means? And what do you think that means for you. And so we, we have these sin, the sins of the flesh. It's a negative command. And in James chapter, where I told you to keep, in, keep your finger in First John, but look at James chapter 5. Uh, look at James chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. It says, Your riches are corrupted, and your garments, garments are moth-eaten. I hate when that happens. 
your gold and silver. Now, this is really weird because gold doesn't do this, but your gold and silver are rusted. Weird, huh? And the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and you shall, it shall, and shall eat your flesh as it were a fire. And you have heaped treasure together for the last days. And it's really not going to last. If you were to look at the last days in the book of Revelation, you'll find that you buy a piece of bread, I mean a, 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 a loaf of bread for a day's wages when it comes through the time of the tribulation. A day's wages. I mean, for some guys, you know, who play in the NBA, they play one game and they're making a few hundred thousand dollars. One game. And you think to yourself, are you kidding me? No, 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 that's their contracts. Their contracts demand that. It is amazing. And so you think to yourself, okay, you know, and then we look at look at First John. Chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. A. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, this is talking about your affection towards things that the world offers based off of the philosophy that the world gives. And what what, what does the world's philosophy give us? The world's philosophy is telling us that if you have this certain toothpaste, and your teeth get really shiny and white, people will love you. Or, if you use this particular deodorant, I would never mention Axe or anything like that, but if you use this deodorant or spray, body spray, they don't use deodorant anymore, they say body spray, that every person is going to think you're the coolest. Or if you wear these particular shoes with the pump on it, you'll be able to take the stairs three at a clip, even if you're 90. <laughs> that would be something to see, wouldn't it? And uh, you think to yourself, wow, if I, if I, and that's what the world's saying, this is going to bring satisfaction. But how many times have you got that new thing, you got that new piece of junk, that new phone, the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, this is going to bring you, or actually, it's going to bring the world to you. And it's going to be incredible. And you'll be somebody. And you'll be happy. And you'll be. And then how many times you've gone, two years later, I need the iPhone 8. <laughs> I need the iPhone 8. And it's amazing how they can tattoo that on my arm and I can just, you know, and just all this kind of stuff. I'll need this. I'll need that. Right? It never ends. That's what the book of Proverbs says. It's amazing how, you know, the book of Proverbs, Schroeder, loose paraphrase, says that you look at the eyes of man and they constantly want and are never satisfied. Never satisfied. And this is exactly what the world tells us. Oh, the world tells us, oh, it's going to be satisfaction. No satisfaction. None. No, no, no satisfaction. None. It's going to be very, if there's any, it's going to be short-lived. And notice what he says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. The Amplified Bible renders this the craving for sensual gratification. 
the craving for sensual gratification. The lust of the flesh. The craving for sensual gratification. If there was ever a place in the United States that we could see this lived out before us, it's here in Hollyweird. Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's right here. We go in the open air. We go in there, the craving for sensual gratification. TV, it's constantly pushing it on us. Isn't that right? And it's constantly telling us this is going to be satisfaction. This is going to be incredible. The craving for sensual gratification. The craving for that. And we look at this, and it's, it's, it, that's the negative of that. That is the actual negative command of this. And we look at this and we say to ourselves, man, and he tells us not to lay up for ourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Listen, they're going to rip you off. They want to rip you off. If you've got nothing to get ripped off, they're not going to rip you off. If you've got nothing they want, how could they rob you? Just really weird, huh? How it works like that? The more junk you got, the more you have to kind of control it, right? And if you were a multi-billionaire, trust me, you would have security teams with you. You would. You'd be going, okay, I gotta have, I gotta protect my life because I got all this money and people want my money and they're gonna scam me and all that kind of stuff and I gotta protect myself from the scam and I gotta have people that I can kinda trust to help me with my money, but I'm not sure about them, so I get these other people that I'm not even sure about about them who's not sure about because I got all this junk and everybody wants it. <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, you look at Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes died in the 70s, and he was a multi-billionaire. The United States government borrowed money from him. He owned most of the state of Nevada, and he was an eccentric uh, innovator and uh, uh, inventor. He was an incredible, like a genius, mechanical genius. And it's just really amazing. He made so much money with Hughes Aircraft and Hughes Communications, etc., that kind of thing. And, you know, it's really amazing because everybody, when he died, he died like, a, he died like a, in, a, in a medevac plane from Mexico back to the United States. And his fingernails were about this long. And he was a germaphobe. And he couldn't, he didn't want, he would never shake hands with you. No way. Even if you got into his presence, you wouldn't even shake hands. You wouldn't come near him. You wouldn't come near him because he was afraid of germs. And he died like a like a indigent pauper in the in the in the street. That's how he died, right? So when they when he died, people started saying, "How much did he leave?" And I knew the answer. It was amazing. I knew the exact answer to the penny how much he left. He left all of it. He left all of it. People were saying, I've got the right to the will, you know, and I, I'm, you know, all this kind of junk. People wanted his billions. You know, they wanted his cash. He left all of it, though. Never to see it again. Never to benefit from it again. And this is the thing that is really important for us to understand. You know, the Lord Jesus understands this. And so, then we see the a positive command in verse 20 of Matthew 6, 
He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust nor doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And I like it what Peter said, it's reserved, a heritage reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. So what God has, the, the, the treasures that He has for us is reserved in heaven. But we seek, we, we're, we buy, we buy Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue, you say, well, Madison Avenue, what about Madison Avenue? That's the place in New York City where most of the advertisers work. That's where most of the advertisers, you know, do, the, do all the advertising for Budweiser and all that. They have, they have big corporations, uh, big advertising firms in Madison Avenue that do all that. That's why they say Madison Avenue. I'm sure there are other people, you know, there are other places and that kind of stuff, but uh, that's the generic term. Madison Avenue is telling us how to think and what to believe. But God is telling us, invest for eternity. Invest for eternity. That's what He is telling us. And He tells us the reason for that command. Notice verse 21 of Matthew 6. He tells us this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, it's interesting. You can find out the character of an individual. And you know how you can find out real quick? Money. How do they treat money? How do they look at money? How do they act when money is like, seems like it's been taken from them or whatever? What are they, how do they respond with their money? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If our treasures are here on earth, and we're looking to amass and to gain and all this kind of stuff, I've got to tell you something, my friends. We're going, to be, we're going to be tried to be tied to this place. And one sad thing about the humankind is that we get old if we do not get wiped out prior. And when we get older... We keep getting older. I've never met, the, I, I told you, Elsie Weiner, 106 years of age. That was it. I don't know anybody, i never met anybody in my life older than 106. How about you? You know anybody 150? You say, Chris, you look like it. I might look like it and can't run anymore and all that kind of stuff, but I've got to tell you something. Time has a, a thing about this where all of a sudden you're going to be at the end of your time here on earth. And it's an awful, awful prospect for us. It really is. Things don't last. You know, in California, I lived in California for five years, and they had this cult. It was one of the most insidious cults going. A cult in California. And you know what they called it? The body cult. It was at Golds Northridge. It was at Venice Beach. It was at uh, Zuma Beach. It was at Oceanside. And everybody walking around going, I got the tan. I'm looking good. I'm working out. You know, where's the restroom? Over there. You know, all this kind of stuff. You know, hi, how are you? How are things going? Listen, you've you got it here too. It must have spread to Hollywood. I'm Hollywood. 
it must have spread right over to here too because I see all these people walking around. I even see people that, you know, that they're in this cult and it's like they're, it's sickening. I mean, and you go, oh, are you kidding me? It's not only immodest, but it's disgusting. And you look at this and you say, are you kidding me? The body cult. People do steroids because of this. They do all that kind of stuff. That doesn't last. I met a, I met a guy at Golds North and I actually worked out. <laughs> yeah. I asked the guy one time, I said, hey, man, this is after like three years of intensely working out. I said, hey, uh, his name was John. I said, John, what do you think, man? This guy was Mr. California. And I said, uh, you know, what do you, John, what do you think? He goes, you've got a great swimmer's physique. <laughs> anyway, I look like a, you know, you know, I don't know what that meant. <laughs> and I think to myself, you know, this guy, this guy, See, for me to get and look chiseled and all that kind of stuff, I'm six five and a half. For me to do that, I got to go up to about two sixty five, and I got to do the steroid. And this guy that I'm mentioning, he did that very thing, and he was chiseled. But at the age of fifty, this guy was almost dead because what the steroids did to his kidneys and his liver. And he he had just gotten back, and he was like somebody put a pin cushion in him. A pin in, in on the, and he was all shriveled, and he was standing there, and he was barely standing up. Before he was like, you know, all this kind of stuff. But that's what the roid was doing to him. And he bought into the lie that this is going to give him satisfaction, that this is going to give him fame, or this is going to get him the relationship that he so desperately desires. It's a lie. It's a lie. Question. Have you bought into that? Not the body cult, but the, the things of this world, the flesh. The craving for sensual gratification. Now, what are we going to do with what we've just heard? What are we going to do with this information? And this is the thing that is important for us to understand. What are we going to do with what we're hearing from the Lord Jesus Himself? This sin of the flesh, you will look at it when you're 70, if you make it to 70, and say, what a waste! You will do this. Especially if a doctor tells you you have lymphoma, or if a doctor tells you you need a kidney transplant. Or if a doctor tells you your life is over, I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore. You will sit there, lay there, stand there, and say, what a waste! Because we have that sin, the sin of the flesh. And there's ways of dealing with this. And that is to say, we just turn our bodies over to Him. We let Him have control of this mortal Oil. And not only does the, you know, does Jesus deal with the sin of the flesh, but he also deals with the sin of the eyes. We see this in both passages. The sin of the eyes. It's, it's just amazing. Notice, it, you know, we see the principle of this. We see the principle of this. And uh, look at Matthew 22, 622. 
The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be healthy, the whole body is full of light. But if the eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. These little headlights that we got right in our skull here, the eye. My uncle was an ophthalmologist. He could find out any diseases. He could find out a lot of diseases that are going on in the body through the eye. He can find out. And Jesus said, if that darkness is in the eye, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? And to buy the lie. You know, notice what it says in 1 John chapter 2. He says in verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. The lust of the eye. And it's amazing. The Amplified Bible renders it the greedy longings of the mind. So not only a craving for sensual gratification, but the greedy longings of the mind. The battlefield for every Christian. The battlefield for every Christian in terms of temptation first comes into the mind. The greedy longings of the mind. I want this. I desire this. Now we're not talking, we're not fessing up on this one to anybody else because we don't want to know. We don't want to tell everybody else what's going on in our mind. And aren't you glad there's no little televisions above your head and above our heads, you know, depicting and showing and telling everybody in the world what's going on in your mind. You don't want that, right? Absolutely you don't want that. But nonetheless, it's there. It's, it's there. And what darkness is that? How dark is that? We talk about darkness, and darkness is not... When we talk about darkness, the Bible talks about darkness, it's not darkness that, that's really commended. How great is that darkness? I've seen people, I have seen uh, people who have gone after Satan. I mean, have had a contract with Satan, have sold themselves to Satan. And you cannot believe, I mean, literally, they've done this. You cannot believe when you look at them or try to lock eyes with them. First of all, they don't want to lock eyes with you. Secondly, you cannot, you, it's like unfathomable depths of darkness. You can see it in their eyes. And a Christian, when a Christian comes up against that kind of a person, it's, it's so haunting, so scary, it's so incredible to see the empty, vacant darkness in a person's eyes. And by the way, come tonight, you'll see a whole bunch of them. A whole bunch of people walking, thinking they're having a blast, thinking they're having so much fun, but the emptiness that's inside. It's incredible. And that's what the world does. That is what the world does. The emptiness, the darkness, the, the greedy longings of the mind. And we see the, the, the product of that. We see that's the principle of this. But notice the product. The product, and say they will hate one. 
Notice verse 23. It says, But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And if that light that is in thee be darkness, how great is our darkness. You cannot serve two masters. So you either hate the one and love the other, or you will love the, hold to one and despise the other. You can't do it. You will hate one. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. I want to tell you something. Folks, understand me something here. Understand something here. Many of you are working for careers that you can make money. But how long are you going to make that money? And we got Pete here. Pete can tell you how to invest for the years ahead, right? But that only goes so far. And now they're talking about the 401ks and they're talking about your retirement and all this kind of stuff that it might be eaten up and you might not have enough. If you make it to 70, if you make it to 80, you won't have enough. But we've got a plan for this. What about eternity? How about we plan for eternity? How about we plan for when we are not here anymore? Life insurance. You've got to have life insurance. I always was bugged by life insurance because I can never see the benefit of, for me. <laughs> You're going to leave it to that person. <laughs> They, they want you dead. I Give me the money. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. But, I mean, you look at the life insurance, and, you know, and I'm glad. I, 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 do I have a life insurance policy? Yeah, and I'm bummed by it. <laughs> but I'm glad for my wife. If I go first, she gets the money. If we both go together, I don't care. <laughs> you know, when I think to myself, we, we plan... We plan, we plan, we plan. We get this all the time pushed on us. In, in any TV commercials, are constantly doing this. How's your 401k? I got a rollover, and I'm so glad I went to the principal. I went to, and I got all this, and I got this. And, well, I got all these benefits. When I got, took this job, they're putting into my 401k. And isn't that fantastic? That's great. What about the moment after you die? What about you? What's the benefit for you? We invest so much here. Not understanding. Not understanding at all that we are going and we're built for eternity. What about your eternal security? What about that? And so we look at this and you know, you can't serve God in money. You're going to love one or hate the other. Sorry, that's what Jesus said. Anybody here, I'm going to just put this on you, anybody here want to argue with him? No, you'd be a fool to do that. Oh, now I'm smarter than Jesus. He didn't get it right. Are you crazy? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm really stupid because this is really what I'm really trying to say. Because I'm really trying to do it. Listen, this is not at all what the Lord Jesus is telling. He is telling us that it's not worth it, number one. And it will never satisfy, number two. And it's never enough. It's never enough. You can't get enough. John D. Rockefeller was asked. He was like the Bill Gates. John D. Rockefeller. Rockefeller Center, New York City. He built the place. I mean, you know, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. John D. Rockefeller is dead. 
They asked him when he was alive, how much money did it take to make him happy? You know what he said? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. (laughs) The greedy longings of the mind. So you have, he deals with the sins the sin of the sins of the flesh and of the eyes. And we look at this kind of thing. It could just be, well, we say, well, that could be for, the, for an unsaved person, a person who does not know where they're going when they die. That can be. And that's absolutely a fact. That's true. And, it's, you know, we can understand that. You know, people going after certain things because they're so empty inside. But how about us Christians who know the truth? who know Jesus is our personal Savior, who are born again, who are on our way to heaven, we buy the lie. And it is a lie. We buy it. We think this is what it is. We watch the commercials over and over and over and over again and think, "Eh, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should have my 401k all up to par. Maybe I should have this and all, all this kind of stuff, right? Instead of trusting God. Instead of looking at what God would have us to do. Do you have that? Greedy longings of the mind? I bet you do. I bet you do. No one wants to talk about this except Jesus. And not only does he deal with the sins of the flesh and of the eyes, he deals with this one thing that's probably the biggest driver of our lives, and it's the pride of life. And it's, you know, the worry for the temporal. We worry about what's the temporal. Notice Matthew 6.25. Would you park your eyes on that one? Matthew 6.25, Therefore I say unto you, Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and your whole, uh, what you shall put on your body. Is not life more than food and body than raiment? Isn't it true, those of you who have new children, brand new kids, right? Little babies, they're beautiful. You know, they, they, I mean, they just, you look at those kids and you just... Isn't it true that you start to feel that if it was between your child and you in terms of your life, you'd give yours? All of a sudden you start to feel the idea that the, the car doesn't matter, the house doesn't matter. The well-being of this child, that matters. It starts to matter. You start going, oh, man, I'd die for this kid. I die. I feel this. I felt that way about my son. I feel this way about my grandson. I feel this way about my wife. I feel this way about my daughter-in-law. I look at them and I say, I can't believe it. So I, I think to myself, this is so wonderful. This is so beautiful. This is so incredible. All the junk that I could amass is nothing. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you something. Your Lexus does not love you. Neither does your Cadillac, neither does your Ford F-150. It doesn't love you. It doesn't love you. I'm telling you right now, you've got that truck at your house, it doesn't love you. It's a pain. 
It doesn't. It doesn't love you. You've got to keep feeding the gas. You've got to keep giving it spark plugs and air and new tires and all this kind of stuff. But I tell you one thing, and isn't this true, Joe? All she's got to do to you is just give you that little crook in the sides of the mouth and go up. And you're handing her your keys. <laughs> and you're giving her your house. <laughs> right? That right, bro? I mean, you go, this is what it is. And you go, I, I don't, I'll die for this child. I, you know, you're going you're gonna to take my child. You're going to kill me first. That's exactly how you feel about it. But notice what he says. Why do we worry about these things? Why do we worry about this? Notice 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How about this one? That is... The Amplified Bible renders this the assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. The, 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 it says here, the assurance in one's own resources or in the ability of earthly things. Wasn't there a guy that Jesus talked about who built, built barns? He put up barns. And I got all this stuff. I got all this grain. I got all this stuff. I'll put up barns. I'll put them on. And he doesn't hear, thou fool. This day your life is required. Today, your life is required. I want to ask you this question. What would you change? I mean, really, what would you change right now if you knew that you you were going to die tomorrow? If you, if you were to, I want you to think about it. I don't want you to answer it out loud. But if you were to, if you were to think, think about this, let's say somebody came to you, a doctor said to you, get your affairs in order, you've got one week. You've got one week or less. What would you change? What would you do? Think about that. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to think about your 401k. And you're not going to think about your car. You're not going to think about... You're going to, all of a sudden, things are going to about matter the most. Things that matter the most are going to the things that are going to be in your brain. And that would be true of the saved and unsaved alike. Or could it be... You could say, I'm going to do... This next week, if I knew I was going to die a week from today, I'm going to do this next week what I've always done. And that's His will. And then I will commend myself and I'll pray and I'll lay my head on the pillow on Saturday night, commend myself to Him, and wake up in glory with no worries. Is that possible? You betcha it's possible. Because you're not trusting you. You're trusting Him. You're not trusting you. You're trusting Him. And the wisdom of that, notice what he says in verse 17 of 1 John chapter 2, and the world passes away, and the lust of it, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. He that does the will of God and carries out His purposes in his life, the Amplified Bible renders it, 
He that does the will of God abides forever. And if we go back to Matthew chapter 6, and he tells us, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Be therefore not anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day of its own trouble. You live for today. In His strength and in His power. Not that you're not, you don't want to be unwise. And I'm not saying any investment that you have made and all that kind of stuff. But if that investment and that insurance policy and all the 401ks and all the retirement was gone out the window, would you still be happy? Would you still be satisfied? I remember one time, my wife and I just quit our jobs and I went onto the streets of Cleveland, Ohio, and we were preaching. And we were just trying to trust God. And our savings went down to nothing. And we had nothing to pay bills with. We had nothing. And I was a little bit down about it. And I was on the streets preaching, and I, one of the other evangelists looks at me. His name was Oris, and he comes up to me. He says, Chris, what's wrong? And I said, oh, well, you know, you, you, you always slough it off. You have not, nothing, nothing's wrong, nothing. He's pulling teeth now, and he's going, what's wrong? What's, what's bothering you? I said, I, I don't have any money. He said, well, why don't we get some hot chocolate? at McDonald's. I can't even pay for that. In those days. I couldn't even pay for it. It was the mid-70s. 1974 to be exact. I couldn't even pay for hot chocolate. He bought it for me. And as we're sitting there, he asked me this question. And this is, a, this is so incredible. He says to me, Chris, if a man came up to you right now and handed you a million dollars, would you be happy? Duh. Of course you'd be happy, right? And I said, sure. Yeah, I'd be happy. He says, then your joy is misplaced. Wow. I never forgot that. Your joy is misplaced. Because it's only in Jesus. It should never be in the million dollars. It should never be in the ten dollars. It should never be in the Lexus. It should never be in the Ford. It should never be in a relationship. It should never be in anywhere else. It's only going to give you joy and satisfaction that will last forever, and that is Jesus. It will be nowhere else. And if you're seeking it somewhere else, it will never satisfy. It will never, never satisfy satisfy. That's not me. That's the Lord Jesus. That is the Lord Jesus for sure. So we look at the the sins. These sins. These three sins. The sins of the flesh, the sin of the eyes, and the, the sin of the pride of life. The sin of the pride of life. These can cause, if unchecked in the Christian's life, If these are unchecked in your life, you will wind up. You will will wind up, if you live this long, and you don't meet a tragic sudden death, you will wind up going, like Papillon did, a wasted life. 
guilty. Guilty. There was a rich guy, a very rich guy, and he was a count. Uh, this is around seven, mid-1700s. He was a count. He was rich, and he was a playboy. And he was going to go to Paris. He was from Germany, and he was going to go to Paris. And he went to Paris, and he was on his way to Paris. He stopped at this famous, famous uh, uh, art museum. And he stopped and he looked at the beautiful artwork of this museum. He looked at it, but one particular piece of art arrested him. Stopped him flat in his tracks. And it was, a, it was the artist was a guy named Steinberg. And what he did was he drew the Christ suffering on the cross. Christ suffering on the cross. And as this guy... His name was Zinzendorf. Nicholas Zinzendorf looked at this painting. Underneath was the caption, All this I did for thee. What hast thou done for me? He devoted his... After he did that, he was arrested by them. He never made it to Paris. He never went to Paris. He was going to go have fun and spend his money and all this kind of... He, didn't go, he went right back and he devoted his life to Jesus Christ. And he said, whatever you, you've got, you've got it all. My wealth, everything. And he allowed to come onto his land and he protected them, this little group called the Moravians. And on his land, they had a hundred-year prayer meeting. A hundred-year prayer meeting. Not just like every Wednesday, consistently through. And missionaries went all over and, and all over the world, the Moravians. It was Mor the Moravians that led John Wesley, the great preacher to Christ. And he became the de facto leader of the Moravian movement, which was a powerful, powerful work of God. Not a wasted life. I preach to you. I preach to me. I don't want to waste my life. How about you? Now, you might be sitting there and thinking, Chris, you're a moron, and you'd be right. You might be thinking, I don't like your style of preaching. I don't like it either. So you'd be right. And we'd be in the club together. The can't stand your style of preaching club. But don't miss the message. Don't miss the message because of me and don't miss the message because of your thoughts about me or about you know the way that my style. Don't miss what Jesus is speaking to you right now. Don't miss it. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, understand this, and I wanted to get this quote right. I said a quote during the breaking of bread, and I want to get this quote right. It's one of the best quotes I've ever heard. It's the opening line of, of any book. You know, you've seen The Tale of Two Cities, right? What's, the, what's that? How's that go? How was that? How's that go? The best of times, the worst of times. That's the op Some of these opening lines get you. They're incredible, right? This is the best opening line of all time besides the Bible. In the beginning, God. This, what I'm about to quote to you is the best opening line. I've ever heard of any book, secular, religious, doesn't matter. This is the best. 
You ready for this? And I tried to quote it today and blew it huge. I don't want to do it. I am Kindle. I have the book on Kindle, and I have it right here. Okay. Christianity, listen to this, is the only major religion to have that's its central event. The humiliation of its God. Christianity is the only major religion to have as its central event the humiliation of its God. I would like to know what other religion does that. Where the God came down and became a man and died in my place. And how could I ever know? No wonder Zinzendorf was so touched by that painting. I have, died, I have suffered for you. What have you done for me? If I've received Christ as my personal Savior, what in the world are we doing with what He is giving us? Or are we going to spend our lives, our fortune, everything, our talent, our brains that He has given us on ourselves? And how selfish is that? How selfish is that? It's a waste in life. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, do it right now. Ask Him to be your personal Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. That's the great, the great thing, because without Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And that's not me. That's Jesus. He preached more on hell than He did any other subject. He preached more on hell than any other person in the Bible. And He died to save us from it. So trust Him as your Savior. And if you've already trusted Him as your Savior, how about we say to Him right this very moment, I turn it all over to you. I'm sick of living for me. I want to live for you. I want you to have control of everything in my life. I want that. What do you say? What do you say to Him? You say, thank you. But you say thank you by yielding everything. Whatever you want. The kids are coming. They're already at the door. But I don't want us to miss what God is doing in your heart right now. Some of you are just shining me on and blowing this whole thing off. You know why? Because you don't you know it's true. You know this is true. And yet you are still buying the hope that my car, my education, my whatever that is based off of me is going to bring me satisfaction. And you are going to find out the rude reality of that. And it will hit you like it did Papillon in that dream. And you will say... Guilty. Guilty. Father, we just come before you and we ask you that you would help us to live for you. You died for us. We want to live for you and you promised us strength for today. For this very moment, we want to live for you. 
we don't want to say that we've wasted our lives and our time and our talent and all the stuff that you have given to us. We want to use it for you because it count, we want it to count forever. Help us, we pray. Help us and show us what that means. Every one of us. And help us to be willing to turn it all over to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, just one other word. Thank you for having us.